Amen. How great he is. Isn't it, isn't it beautiful to celebrate the creator of the universe that's called us to be a part of, of, of his life and get to, we don't have to be on the outside looking in. He calls us his own. Um, you know, I know that, I don't know all the stuff of that song. I do uh, know that it was written because of one man in, in, it was a Swedish uh, editor that, um, and a politi- uh, aspiring politician, he was actually on his way home and uh, he, by Bay Area. And it actually, he was, the big thunderstorm came up and uh, it, it stopped him. He couldn't go. It unrelenting got worse and this, it rolled in. And um, as soon as it kind of passed through, he ran home and opened his window right there by the bay and began the wind, the wind and the, the smells began to come in. He began to pin and he wrote a poem. But that wasn't it. That was in like 1800s. And then it wasn't until 19-something when a Swedish American had translated into the form that we could actually understand it and sing it today. And so, but it started from one man being captured by the greatness of God. Just, just walking along and all of a sudden what would seem like just a natural day, his gaze, he got captured by God himself going, wow, how great you are. And I, I pray that all of us would experience that this week. We'd be captured in some way, form, and fashion of how great he is. That it would begin to, to tear away, even through this time of prayer and fasting, it would begin to tear away at the things that try to weigh us down or that we think less of who he is or less than what he can do and actually begin to pour into him because he continually pours into us. And that's really what we're talking about during this next few weeks is talking about focus because focus is a big thing. It, the enemy wants to steal our gaze. He wants to st- he wants to steal what we look at and how we look at things. And so he wants really to control the narrative in our lives. Like there's a battle within each one of us. We have self, we have Satan, and then we've got the Holy Spirit, especially to a believer. Think if you don't have a... If you're not a, if, you know, if you haven't surrendered that your life to Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. Think what it's like. You just have self and Satan that are battling, trying to rip away at your focus and trying to get you on, on everything else that he can to try to steal our gaze away from God. It's the very first thing he did with Eve, uh, with the first uh, man and woman. He stole their gaze. He, he said, look, God, did God really say? I mean, are you listening to him? What are you listening to him for? And then he began to get them focused on self. You know, well, no, God knows that you, the day you eat, you will be like him, like they were already. And so Eve, it says in, in Genesis 3, we're not going to turn there, but it said that seeing that the food, gazing at the food, looking at it, that it was it was desirable for, for food and with the desire to make one wise as if, you needed to be wise in God's eyes. It was, oh, look, I'll be like God. It caused her and us, all humanity, to go in a downward spiral. And from that day on, men have struggled with visions, struggled with focus, struggled with, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? And that's why the first year, this is the best time to begin to focus, Lord, pursuing God's vision. And that's not something we have to come up with. The beautiful thing about this, this is not something I have to come up with, that you have to come up with. God's already come up with it. Matter of fact, in uh, Proverbs, uh, it says, where there is no vision, 
I told you this, those were here this morning. I told you we'll go over some, but there's other stuff. We're going to go over this vision thing very in depth tonight because we don't have to come up with a vision. God's already come up with it. There, nothing catches him by surprise. We, on the other hand, can get surprised quite regularly, but God does not. And so when it says where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is who keeps the law. Really in the message, it says it this way and kind of puts it in a little more perspective for us. If, if people can't see what God is doing, in other words, I don't have to come up with an idea of what God's doing. I just have to notice just like what we just sang. Oh, he saw what God was doing through the majesty of creation. How great thou art. When If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And that's what we have right now in, in this world. I see people stumbling all over themselves, including me. There's times where I stumble all over myself. I'm, I'm trying to get it right, but because of either lack of focus or because of self-indulgence or wanting what I want, it can be a battle. And so, But when they attend to what he reveals, there again... I don't have to come up with anything. You don't have to come up with anything. All I have to do is, Lord, whatever you reveal, I'm going to walk in that truth. They are most blessed. And so that's what, as a as an individual, as a people, as a church, all we need to do is put our focus. Lord, what are you doing? What's your vision? What are you wanting to do? And I love what, um, I'm going to use the same quote I did this morning from D.L. Moody, because it's something that has gripped my heart. I, I've never worried about failure. It's not failure that I worry about because I know I'm going to grow. <laughs> like I, I've messed up on some things really, really in, in school, in sports, in, in life, um, with, with my with my family. I've made some mistakes, but I know failure is not the problem. It's this. It's succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Like I do something great. It's like, but what did that do for anybody or anything? What was the outcome of that? What eternal value did it have? And D.L. Moody, who had his gaze totally on eternity, the greatest soul winner of the 19th century, he had a focus. He had, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And that's why we can't just aim at anything. <laughs> we have to aim at the right thing. We can't just aim at anything. We have to aim at the right thing. And so the right thing is we want to, we want to aim at God's vision. We want to, we want to know what it is. We want to walk in it. We want to have it. And so this morning, here's one thing we do. There were four things that consist of God's vision. And we said, this is what it looks like. This has been God's from the beginning. Ever since man fell, it's been God's plan. God, when we, when he, when we fell, when we chose to walk away and we chose to, to try to relate to him on the basis of good and evil, Instead, on the basis of life, which he gives us. This is where he said, look, I want you saved. God was not trying to push people away. He was literally trying to draw them to himself. And I shared this morning, I'll share it again tonight. It was by grace that God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. So they didn't have to live perpetually, eternally in their fallen state. How miserable would that have been? To live in a fallen state forever. And so he had to get them out because if they ate the tree of life, they would have had to stay in there forever in that fallen state. And God had so much more in, in, in store for that and so much better 
that he had for us to redeem us. And so God's vision is always for lost people to be saved. People that are far away from God, God wants them close. He's not sitting there trying to push people away. God's like, good, you did that. You don't deserve to be here. Go on. God's constantly going, man, come on back. Where, where you at? The same thing he did when Adam and Eve sinned. He didn't go up and say, look, y'all just get on out of here. I'm sick of you. I'm tired of you. He literally asked them a question. Where are you? Where are you at? Where are you to draw them back? He asked them a question. He didn't make a statement. He asked like he, like he didn't know. Like he was like, hmm, where are you? I'm just not sure where you are. Knew exactly where they were, but he was drawing them back. He was wanting them to respond to him. They were lost, hiding in the bushes, away from him. And he's like, hey, where are you? Come on back. So his desire is always for lost people to be saved. And then save people to be shepherd or pastored. Like, not just, he's always had people, priests in the Old Testament... That would go to God on behalf of the people. And then he had prophets that would go to the people on behalf of God. So he, cause people's, men's heart had gotten so hard that they wouldn't listen. Their ears had got clogged and it started within here. And so he had to raise up prophets that would begin to speak on his behalf. Now, it wasn't ever his intention. I don't believe to do that because he wants us to hear for himself. God wants you to hear for yourself what he's saying. So he, and when our hearts get hard, Praise the Lord. The prophetic comes forward and it's to encourage, it's to, to help us go back to Him, always to draw us back to Him. And then the pastor people need to be trained. They need to, they need to, to, to know what is it they've been gifted to do so then they can actually go and do that. And so every one of us, this is for a family, an individual, a church. This is God's vision. It's found all through scripture. We're going to go back to the, in Exodus. So here we got the children of Israel. They had, uh, they had, um, got there as a result of because God's goodness, first of all, uh, through Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, you know, here he is, is talking about a, a story. You know, his brothers sell him into slavery. His, he goes in a pit, then he gets sold, then he goes in a prison, he ends up in the palace. And because of his palace experience there, um, it wasn't where they were supposed to be. They, God didn't mean for them to stay in Egypt, but they got comfortable. Remember, he'd already spoken through Abraham. He's like, look, I got, a, I got a land flowing with milk and honey. I got it for you. I want you to have it. But because of their, they got settled in. And so they got became slaves in Egypt because of the food there. And they got comfortable and began to multiply. And then they said, hey, wow, y'all getting a little too numerous. And they... They, uh, they, uh, the Egyptians said, Hey, we can't have this and actually made them slaves and actually made them build their, build pyramids and, be, and work for them and build all their temples. And in that whole time, we're going to see God was not pleased. He wasn't like, well, that's what you get for walking away. <laughs> Good. Okay. You want to act like that? Good. Just you get it. It wasn't. God was continually, even in that point saying, I want you back. I want you back. And the reason I want to go over this is because we have to get a heart for what God wants, not what we want. That's what this prayer and fasting is all about. Lord, I want what you want, not what I want. And we as a, as a church have to do that if we're going to impact this community, this city, this, this county, and the surrounding counties. 
We have to get this and understand it. That's why it says in Exodus 6, 6 and 7, the very first thing he said, therefore, this is, these are four uh, statements and there's four uh, cups that this, this goes along with the Exodus. And Exodus just simply means called out from among. Like they were stuck in their sin. They were stuck in their bondage. They were stuck in their slavery. And God's calling them out saying, hey, I want you back. Don't I don't want you there. And so in that, he says to Moses at the burning bush, he's trying to get him to, to decide, hey, man, I'm for you. I want to use you to do this. And Moses is not quite sure. He'd already been in, in the king. He'd already been in the palace 40 years. He's been on the backside of the desert for 40 years. So here he is 80 years old and God's saying, you're ready, man. You're ready. I'm ready to use you now. <laughs> and are you ready? He goes, meets with him at the burning bush and God begins to tell him, this is what I want to do. I'm the Lord. You're not. I'm the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He goes on to say, I will free you. Not only am I going to bring you, I'll free you from being slaves to them. Like, I don't want you under that. I, I want, I, I don't want you to experience all that. I want to give you life. And he, he goes on to say, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Like, I'm going to do this, not you. I want to do this for you. And he goes on to finally say, and I will take you as my own people and I'll be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. It's a matter of saying, I'm for you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm I'm all in, and I want you to be all in with me. And so there's, this is God's vision then, and there were four cups. This is at the, at the Passover meal. There wasn't one cup, there were four cups. And, and during the meal, and we've done a Seder here, and during the meal, there were four cups. The first cup was called the cup of sanctification. And sanctification is simply being set apart for God's use. Like He was bringing us back. I want to, I want to set you apart for me. You've been set apart. Right then, they'd been set apart, all right? They'd been set apart in mud pits. They'd been set apart in sand pits. They'd been set apart in stone quarries. They'd been set apart to be used for the Egyptians, whatever they wanted. And God said, no, I want you, I want to use you for my purposes. And so it was a cup of sanctification to draw them back to himself. And then it was a cup of deliverance, which is simply to be set free from the bondage of those things that had enslaved them. That look, I want you to be free to be able to experience what I have for you and do what I've called you to do, not what somebody else has called you to do. And then there was the cup of redemption. And that's to restore you to your rightful place. To restore you to where you are naturally supposed to do. Not what what the enemy meant for evil. God wants to use you for his good. And then it was the cup of praise. And praise is simply this. Praise is not a song. It's a God-honoring life. That's, that's what praise is. Is my life is an honor to the Lord where I, I'm used by Him to make a difference in somebody else's life. It's a God-honoring life. That's what praise is. It's not simply, it is, we do praise Him with our, with our, with our words. We do praise Him with song and we do praise Him with instruments, but we praise Him with our lives. It all comes out of us. And so that cup was there. Again, in Isaiah, we're going to see again where this thing plays out uh, that we saw where, where it's going to continue all the way through this God's vision. It hadn't changed. And by the way, in Isaiah 61, it's also the same scripture 
where Jesus got up in Matthew 4 and proclaimed to the people and said, when he, when he began his, his ministry, went in the synagogue and he told them, hey, the, the Spirit of the Lord is fine. This is the act, exact scripture that he quoted in the temple. And so uh, he says, look what he says this, in, in Isaiah, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And I want to tell you something. Knowing you can be free from your past life and from what you're stuck in, that's good news. (laughs) That I don't have to keep living the same way. That I can be different. I want to tell you something. That's what this world needs. Most people make people think, in the church, make people think that's just how they're going to have to be. That you just got to deal with stuff. And I'm telling you, God calls us out for a reason and for a purpose. And he wants to have the good news. The good news that, hey, Jesus paid the price. I don't have to live this way anymore. He set me free. And he goes on to say, he sent me to to bind up the brokenhearted. Those who have, life has 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 taken its toll and, and, and choices. You end up having to face them. You know, the Bible's very clear that sin, sin seems pleasurable for a season. But then the bill comes due. You ever had that happen where you thought, man, I'm having a good time. And then all of a sudden the bill comes due. And you're like, I don't know if I want to pay this or not. And I'm telling you, it's a reality. Because some people choose options, eternal options that God never meant to. Because they don't want to pay the bill. And it's like, I, I don't want to pay that. And they check out way too early. They, they think of, hey, I'll take my own life. I don't want to pay this. This is where we got to come in and say, no. He's for you. He's not against you. He wants to redeem. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. It goes on to say that uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mm. And the day of vengeance of our God. And to comfort all who mourn in Zion. Provide for those who grieve in Zion. Look, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We live and grew up in a society that says, if you do this, I'll do this. It's like that scripture that people thinks in the Bible that's not in the Bible. God helps them that help themselves. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. (laughs) That's people really, we got to proclaim The people, the year of the Lord's favor, man, he's for you. He's not against you. He took care of it. It's all right. God is here. And so we've got, this is all his vision. That's in Isaiah. And this is what um, uh, it goes on to say a little bit more. It's not through yet. That would be beautiful if that was it. But he goes, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. (laughs) We got to be careful that we don't leave people in the ashes and just say, okay, well, so too bad for you that we go in there and we get to proclaim beauty. Look, we're going to give you a crown of beauty. It's kind of like those of you who know of the prodigal son. It's a story where Jesus is telling the story of a, a two two brother two two brothers and two sons, and they go out and one of them decides, you know what? I like that and all, but I I want to go live it up and I. That's where we get the word prodigal. It means lavish living. That's all it means. And I just want to go do my own thing. What we would consider go sow my oats or whatever you want to put it. 
they go out and do that and and of course we know the one did it and one went out there and the other brother said we don't hear anything from the other brother doesn't he? we don't hear anything when he got all his stuff like the brother's not even mentioned when the when the brother got all of his inheritance to go and the, and the, this is how we know it's lavish living because the scriptures tell us that he spent it on wine and women that's what he lavish living what he thought would it, you know please his flesh and then when he came home of course we know he went and things got so rough and he's ran out of money and everybody ran out on him the world's way of doing it long as you got stuff they're happy to be there soon as you run out of stuff they run on out too they'll go find somebody else who's got stuff use their stuff y'all know what i'm talking about so they go there and then the beauty this is what the beauty this is where this comes from jesus telling this story the son comes walking up and i've got to tell you he's been feeding pigs anybody been near a, a pig pen yeah. like like a pig pen like you've been near it because i'm going to tell you a friend of mine now we used to catch wild hogs and at one point we had 20 in a pen and i want to tell you something now i will tell you this in all of their messed up stuff there's some interesting creatures but they would have in this pen they would have where they do their business and everything else. And they did not do anything else but right there. But it didn't make any... It, it, you, you would know when you started coming up to it. Woo! You didn't have to... You were close. You knew it. And, it. and the longer we hung out there and doing stuff, I'd come home and my wife would knew where I'd been, who I'd been, where I'd been at. Woo! I know, I know where you've been. Listen, this prodigal son his dad knew where he'd been he didn't take a bath get all cleaned up he just said i my father's servants eat better than i than this goes home and what does god come up to him the father runs to him and what does he do said i'm glad you finally came to your senses (laughs) it's not what he said he didn't say "Uh uh-huh you had enough yet boy He didn't do any of that. He went out with a robe and a ring. He showed up with a robe to cover his son who was so dirty, so nasty, he covered him. The same thing he does with us. He bestows beauty, a crown of beauty in the midst of our ashes. That's a loving God that we have. So the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Then he says this, it's about us. They will be called oaks of righteousness. What? They were just in mourning. They were just in ashes. They were in despair. Oaks of righteousness. You go from ashes, mourning, and and now you're going to be an oak of righteousness? A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He loves to take that. You see, I want you to see his vision of how he loves to do this and he wants us to be a part. He does it to us individually and he wants us to do it with other people. And then it says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And I, my personal thing is that has to do with family. It has to do with family. To, to restore families. Legacies, restoring people and their their families and bringing honor back on to their family where it had been taken away, where the enemy had robbed it of them. That's what he loves to do. 
And then it says, um, and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So he wants to restore, not just, and so here's what that looks like. This is in Isaiah and also in Matthew. This is, this is what it is. We're to proclaim good news. This is God's vision. What's the good news? That you were so good that God just wanted to bless you. No, that in the midst of our messed up, mixed up self, God chose to come and take our place. The good news, I don't have to pay for it. He already paid for it. I deserve death. He gave life. I deserve to be crucified and he took my spot. I deserve to be beaten and he took every lash, every whip, every every beat, every fist for me. Bind up the brokenhearted. That's what he said. Those who have, man, the, the world has beaten up, and it does every day. Every day, there are people that we pass that, that the world's been less than kind to. It's what, it's what it's designed to do. And then bestow on them beauty for ashes. Man, let me, let me, let me tell you how you really, what God really thinks about you. How he really thinks about you when he thinks about it. He's not thinking about how bad you are at all. He's thinking about how good he has, what he has in store for you. Not what you've done, but on who he is. And then they get to rebuild others. That's the beauty of, this is God's vision. And it's important during this season, this new year, that we begin to get this so that we can participate with him. We're going to jump to the New Testament right now. This is the Great Commission. And we're going to see again God's vision. I just want you to see it's nothing we have to come up with. Like it says, where there's no vision, it's something when when we see what God's doing. This is what God's doing. He's been doing from the very beginning. And he says this, uh, Jesus, he said to them, this is in Mark um, 16, 15 through 20. This is the great commission right here. Not the great suggestion, the great commission. And he said, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news. That's what gospel is. Good news. Go preach the good news. What's the good news? Man, Jesus came and he paid for my stuff. I didn't have to. He took it from me. He loved me so much. He gave it. This is the good news. Go in the, uh, and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And he goes on. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Look at this. They, then the disciples went out. Oh, they, well, the signs go on. These com- signs will accompany. In my name, uh, they'll cast out demons. They'll, and if they drink any deadly poison, it goes into a lot of things. They're going to do it as a result of that. But then he goes on and said, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. He wants to, as we go, and as we partake, and as we're a part of this, this is what it, this is, this is how this operates. And then it goes on, and these signs will come to those bleep. Okay, so it goes out, and they go, and they preach everywhere, and so, it's not that we follow signs, signs follow us. And it follows us as we do what we're supposed to. These things follow as we continue to do this. This isn't anything we, it's all Him. It's all about Him. It's all for Him. And we let people know it's all Jesus. Jesus did this. Thank you, Lord. It's all about Him. And so that's, that's what this vision is about. It says here that God's vision here is we preach. Okay? We preach. We pastor. 
We disciple and we sin. Those are all part of what we do. We, that's part of what God's vision is. We preach, we pastor, we disciple, and then we sin. And so what we've locked in here is, um, and what I, what I believe is in the New Testament where Paul has a prayer statement of what he's saying in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. This is where we're, we're at today, where, um, where I feel like, and this is my prayer that I pray for, for you guys, for the church every day. This is my heart for me and for you, for my family. And I keep asking, I ask and I keep asking. That's what Jesus told us in Luke 11. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. I don't ever stop. <laughs> I, I promise you this, if you get up early enough, you can ask any, you can ask a lot of stuff. You, you can keep on asking for a long time. And so you can get a couple hours of asking in. And, and, and I love it. And it's like, and, and receiving, it's all, it's, it's a two-way communication. But it said, I ask the God, the Master of Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent, discerning, in knowing Him personally. Now you know there's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. Knowing your sins can be forgiven and knowing your sins are forgiven. Knowing that I can be redeemed and knowing I am redeemed. It's like, it's like if I walked outside and I had a, a, a brand new 2020 Camaro sitting outside, knowing it's there and then getting in it and driving it. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. There's a big difference. <laughs> I can sit there and smile and go, oh, look at that. That's so nice. And then I sit in it and drive like, whoo, that's really nice. <laughs> There's a big difference in knowing and experiencing. And we talked about that this morning, the different relationships, the experiences we have, the personal experience, the powerful experience. There's there's that where we have the painful experience that nobody really likes, and then the practical experience. But he wants us to know him personally. That's what Jesus came. That your eyes focused and clear. That 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 the that the past failures and the past problems don't stay present. That we can focus on what God's doing. That yeah, are there stuff there? Yeah, like when I'm looking at this man and there's nothing happening, and I'm sitting there going, everything in my natural is going, not much is going on. But Lord, you're, you said in your word, and I'm just trusting you. This is where our eyes get focused and clear, so that we can see exactly what it is that He's calling you to do, calling me to do, and then grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life He has for us. It's not something, I don't have to keep living in my stuff. The church, for so long, and I mean the church, capital C, not this church. When we say church, there's capital C, which is the church overall. The, the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. The, 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 the capital C. For so long, it's almost as if we're supposed to live a subpar life. That, that we're just supposed to struggle and get by, and then one day we're going to... Fly away, by and by. I'll fly away. <laughs> I want to tell you, you can fly away now with the Holy Spirit. You, you can be having the roughest day of your life and still experience the peace of God. You can be having the, the, the most in, hor, horrendous day and still allow the Spirit of God. It, it's not that it's going to change everything, but it's going to change you. And you say, Lord, I need it. And so that's where we get to experience that. And so this is, this is where we're going to land and end here tonight is this. This is God's vision 
And this is how it looks in our church. So God's vision, what we've adopted as our language is in all of these things, whether it's pastor saved or uh, lost saved, saved pastor, um, pastor uh, uh, trained, and then uh, the train release, all of them, all of the things we've just gone over. This is where it is. It's knowing God, not knowing about God. And, and let me say this to you. I was with a group of people a while back, and a young man that was having a rough time came into our midst, and people began to share their wonderful scriptures with this guy. And they were, they were really giving it all they had to, to help him with his problem. I mean, he was really in a bad way. And I said, hey guys, hey, can I help you a second? I mean, I know, I, I knew the guy, and I was like, can I help you? I said, I mean, I know you're talking to him out of your experience and you're wanting to help him, but he don't even know God. <laughs> He's been to church twice. And so all this wonderful Bible knowledge you have <laughs> is foolishness to him. That's what Corinthians says. To the natural man, the things of God are foolishness to him. And so if we simply just try to teach God's principles to natural man, it doesn't change anything until they get to know God. So I had to, because they were, it was good. Don't get me wrong. Each one, I let them go for a minute because this one good and it was like popcorn. This one go off and share his scripture and then this one you go off and share his scripture and this one go off and share his scripture. And, and finally I said, hold on guys. <laughs> He's looking at him like, huh? Yeah, yeah, oh, what? Okay. Yeah, 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 what? What does that mean? <laughs> I said, we're, we'll get to that at the end. This is what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll get to this because we're going to work on some other stuff. And at the end, I said, hey, let's do this. Let's just surrender our life afresh and anew to the Lord. And for you, this might be your first time surrendering your life to the Lord. Can I tell you, when he surrendered his life to the Lord, every time we got together after that, he actually understood what we were talking about. Began to say how this was his verbiage, his language to me. The next day, the very next day after that happened, he goes, I've got a conscience. I've never had a conscience before. I mean, that's incredible. What I mean, all these things I used to... Man, they're wrong. Now, we could have sat there and told him all day, you know, you can't do this, you shouldn't do that, don't... Until he experienced God for himself and he experienced the breath. I've got a conscience. It's like, what? (laughs) That was his understanding. So we've got to help people know God. That's what Sunday service is all about. That when people come in here... Every, we need everybody to help us with this. Like, like you're the robe and the ring bearer. I'm the robe and the ring bearer. There's people that walk in here that are ash, they're full of ashes. They're, they're full of, of, of mourning. They're full of all kind of stuff that the world has done exactly what it's supposed to do, been very cruel and it's trouble. And we're the ones that come with the robes and hey, come on in here. Man, we got you. Let me show you what this looks like to know God. Let me help you with that. Let me encourage you. And then the, the second part, finding freedom. That's this, this cup of deliverance. Like everybody has issues. <laughs> Even still, today. <laughs> but let me say this. If you know God, then those issues can go. But if you don't know God, those issues will still be there. They'll still be there. And so we, we can still try to deal with our issues without God. And that's what the world's trying to do. You know what they do? They use medication. 
and everything else. I believe with all my heart, a lot of medication is given simply to deal with what's happening inside. And it's easier to take this than it is. And, it, and it's really not that hard. And part of that's the church. Because we've made it sound like it's so, you know, like you got to really go through it. Instead of Jesus already went through it for us. And so we've got to help people find freedom. And the best way we can do that here in this church is through small groups. In just a, in, in just a few weeks, another month, it's going to be another semester of small groups. And I pray that you'll begin to think and, and begin to pray. What can I do? Either be a part or start one. Anybody can join one and anybody can host one. And so we're, we're already talking to people. People are already getting stirred up about things they want to do and, and things they want to get involved and things they want to get bring people together. And that's what small groups do is it just brings people together. And I want everybody to participate in it. I don't want us to be a church that does small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. That everything we do, we gather people. Hey, let's lock arms. Let's go do something together. We're always better together. Just like your body is always better together. You don't want to see your arm sitting on the other side of the room. It's not a good day. (laughs) You don't want to see your foot over there like, oh, there's my foot. What you doing over there? Ouch. We do that in church. You laugh, but there are people all around that are part of the body, but we're not connected. But, well, there's the foot over there. If I could just get over there and find the leg. Oh, there's the arm over there. If I could just find that shoulder, we could, we could begin to do something. That's what this is all about. It's coming together. People, we need each other. We go through stuff. We've got to have it. It's got to happen. And then the discover purpose. That's what... I preach every Sunday, and I know people get tired of hearing the growth track, the growth track, the growth It's the best way to where we can help people discover the growth track is designed to, first of all, to hear what our church is about, what we want. Like we, like today, we had seven people, new people that were in the growth track today. And I got as there, as I said, if I, if I get to be your pastor, woo, it's not just what I have for you. It's what I want you to get the experience. Not what I'm experiencing, but what you get the experience. I'm telling you, you don't get lit up till you start helping somebody else and their life begins to transform. I want to tell you, when I got that text yesterday morning, I just started crying. I couldn't help. I said, Ariel, Jesus, you're so good. You're so good to bless her with her daddy. You give her daddy back. I just sat and cried right there in my garage. I was cleaning out my garage because it needs it. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, and she texts me, and so I had to call her. I said, Errol, we just sat there and cried for a little bit. I'm telling you, when we begin to help people discover their purpose, and that is, like for church, church is not a, it's not a spectator sport. We're not simply attenders. We're not spectating. We're actually activated. Everybody has a part to play in the body, and we want people to do that. And so we help people. During the grow track. If you haven't done it yet, do it. There, I know it's on Sunday morning. We're looking at, at when we can do that at another time to help other people to do it. But there's personality profiles. You want to you know why you act the way you do? <laughs> it was God. It's not a bad thing. It's not. You, you want to know why some people are so outgoing and some people just, hey, don't get too close. Bubble. Don't touch. Space. Do not invade that. <laughs> that it's God-ordained. So we help them, and then we help them find out their spiritual gifts. Most people don't even know what their spiritual gifts are. And so they're wandering around. They're aiming at stuff, 
but they're not aiming at the right stuff because they weren't created to do that. And so what they're looking at, they watch some people do something. They go, I like that. I want to do it. Yeah, but you're not equipped to do that. You're not a hand. You're an eyeball. You should be seeing stuff. So people want to look at other people gives and go, I want to, they just look like they're having so much fun. That's because they're doing what God called them to do. Like, trust me, you do not want me being a bookkeeper. It would ruin your world. Gail Owens says, amen. <laughs> That's a gift. Numbers, I'd be like, woo, okay. Let's joke. Hey, look at that. It would not be well. And so growth track, that's what it's done. And it's designed to do the one thing, to help you discover. I had somebody really, it was beautiful, he asked me, hey, do you keep up with everybody's spiritual gifting and what, what, you know, what their personality profiles and what their spiritual gifting is? I was like, he said, that would be really good. I said, oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not for me to discover it. I mean, many times I can see what it is. God gives me, I'm like, oh, you'd be great at that. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're not trying to get people to do stuff. We're trying to get people to discover stuff. <laughs> I want you to discover how incredible God's made you. Because when you discover that and you start operating in it, you're the one that goes, Oh, God, you're so good. I, I, can, I just can't stand it. It's not about me telling you what to do and then you do it. It's you discovering it. And that's what the Grow Track helps to do is discover how awesomely detailed God put you together and how he wired you and your best how that, and we actually, the fourth thing is make a difference. We want people on a team. I want you participating in helping other people come to know Christ. So like when people pull up on this campus, like we said, our, our best win, it's not the only place to know God, but it's the best place to know God. Simply because you have more people coming in. Okay? You can invite somebody like, there's a lot of times that you're like, hey, I can invite people to church. I may not know how to preach the gospel, but hey, I promise you, they will get to hear the goodness of Jesus. And I promise you, they will know that he loves them and he's for them and he's not against them. So you could bring people to that. It's not the only place, but you can join a team when they show up here. I need somebody. We ain't even started that yet. We need somebody like out in the parking lot helping people get to where they're supposed to park. And then I, I, I've got this dream in my heart. I don't know why. It's just something. I'd love to see a little little cart helping people. You know, sometimes we get, the people that get here early doesn't realize. I do because I walk out to my car. And then sometimes, you know, before service during Sunday school, I walk out and just look and begin to pray over the parking lot, pray over stuff. There's a long walk sometimes. And I'd love for us to be able to help people get to the bill, help people you know, hey, they don't have to. I know some people, they don't want help. I can, I can walk. I don't want to be. But people, there may be people who want to walk up here, but it doesn't mean they have to. So we can start with the robe in the parking lot. The robe and the ring start there. And then we come in and then when they walk in the door, having four or five people just looking at them say, man, thank, we're so glad you're opening the door. Come on. Man, we're so glad you're here. Hey, you want some coffee? It's right there. What you want? It's there. Here. Hey, you got, oh, I see you got small children. Let me help you. Let me help you to get those to know. We got a nursery. We got an incredible nursery. God, God, think all of those things can happen. And then in the service here, we have ushers that can help people find their seat, help people pray with, help people. That's what we do when we go around. Also have the Lord's Supper for those who aren't here on Sunday mornings. We have started and it, it will be going every week now that you can partake. 
as we come together, you can partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Now, we still will, the, the fifth Sunday of every month, that's every quarter, we'll do it corporately. But this is for you. We wanted to provide that. And so making a difference, everybody, when everybody gets involved and you get in your gifting, God is honored and glorified and the life of Christ gets released in a way where signs and wonders begin to follow. People's lives begin to change. And that only happens as all of us come together. That's not me. That's you and you, everyone doing their part and the body operating just like your body operates effectively and physically when all the parts are working. Amen? When some of the parts aren't working, anybody ever had that? Your arm ain't working just quite right or it doesn't work as well. The whole body has to make up for it. So I want the whole body to come together. That's God's vision. I hope you've seen that through this, this is God's vision. This is not anything that we have to come up with. We get to participate in what He's doing. And I challenge you tonight, and, and those who listen later by podcast or by CD, I encourage everybody that hears this, start looking. Lord, put me in, coach. Where can I want to discover, God, what you've done? First of all, I want to know you. And then I want to settle my yesterdays. I don't want to walk around with that stuff for 30 years. You ever been around somebody and they're telling the same thing they did 30 years ago? I'm like, Jesus, it's time. 30 years is long enough. The woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. It's, it's long enough. And then... When they discover purpose and then they join the team and start changing people's lives, I promise you, I prom- you know, when you do it, you get so excited when somebody's life's transformed. Woo! You just want to, you know, you, you just want to become twi- twins or triplets just to contain it all, just to have it all there. So, amen. Let's pray. That's all I, I wanted to share with us tonight on vision and you know, uh, this whole thing of vision and God's vision. Father, I do thank you. Lord, I thank you for what you have already done here at this church. You have been so faithful for 46 years. Lord, we've experienced your goodness. We've experienced your glory. We've experienced your life. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you rule and reign even today. That Lord, you are, you're, you're moving us to the place where we have a significant impact in this community, especially to the lost, to those who are far away from you. Lord, use us. Lord, it would be a privilege and honor to use us to draw people who are away from you to draw them back to your house, to draw them back to your life, Lord, to to help them experience, Jesus, the life you came to give them. Lord, I thank you that you would move on each one of us here And you would help us to see what is it that we're called to do. I thank you, Lord, as we begin and and continue, as we've begun this journey and continue on this journey, that, Lord, you're going to continue to reveal more and more of yourself to us. And, Lord, how we can be used. How we can be used to transform this whole community. Lord, I thank you for doing it. I celebrate your life and I celebrate your love here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We'll do this. I'll I'll be here if you need prayer. But if you would stand up with me this time, I want to bless you. I'll be here to pray for anybody that would like that. Thank you, Lord. Open your hands to receive from Him. Father God, 
You're the creator of the universe. You're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people where your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.